walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring. Known in some circles as Asian Kyle. Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you. I don't know why my camera's like. Someone is at the front door. Who's at the front door? What the shit is that? I'll be right back. A few moments later. Some random ass dude wants to clean my gutters. Is that a thing? Is that is that what we're doing? <laughs> Fucking rings the door. Is like, hey, I'm uh, I'm all clean your gutters. Like, do our gutters look that bad? Probably. We got these goddamn pot. Not not to not to delay the TNA talk, but let's talk about pine trees for a second. The the fauna, the flora and the fauna, really in Virginia is something to see. We got these goddamn trees i'm not going to turn my camera around because it's a whole thing you'll see my dildos and my butt plugs but there there are these gargantuan pine trees that are as old as rick flair almost and there's just there's just pine needles all over our front yard is covered in them okay the roof, the crevices within the roof we just cleaned them a few weeks ago and now it feels like the the pine cone monster just made all sorts of cummies all over our roof. It's a constant. We bought this house a couple months ago, and now we know that's going to be the bane of our existence to the point where random old men offer to clean our gutters for us. But that's where we're at here on the Apron Bump podcast. But where are we? I, <laughs> I guess that's the sacrifice and owning a home. But speaking of which... Well, TNA Sacrifice 2006 is what we're here to cover, not pine trees. Uh, although, if you want me to do that in more long form, uh, throw me throw me an email at my personal email, pickledsphincter at aol.com. But no, 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 no. TNA Sacrifice 2006. We're here to talk about, which you know, pretty topical nowadays with the with the debut of Jeff Jarrett in AEW. Among others, like Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. Seems like AEW is slowly turning into 2006 TNA, so no better time to jump on the bandwagon. Speaking of which, if you like this era of TNA and you would like to hear more about it, well, I suggest you go to Apron Bump 
Com. You can go to the episodes tab. I cover lots of promotions, lots of eras of wrestling on this podcast. But TNA is one, one of my favorites. So you can go to the episodes tab at the top of apronbump.com and you can select TNA and that'll filter it to all of the TNA reviews I've done thus far. Started from their first proper three hour pay-per-view Victory Road 2004. And I've worked my way chronologically up until now. TNA Sacrifice 2006. So um, lots of chicanery and tomfoolery uh, all throughout the show. We got the World X Cup underway here. It's a lot of international flavor on this show. We got Samoa Joe dipping his toes into the main event scene. We got more Jarrett and Sting shenanigans. Team Canada seems like they're developing an exit strategy of a faction. You're seeing a lot of, um, well, I'll put it this way. A1 and Bobby Roode both have singles matches, which seem to be a kind of a litmus test for both guys. And we know that one of them became something, and one of them is the second most known A1 that there is. So, behind the steak sauce. So, <laughs> there's some hits there's some misses on this show. A weirdly, because 2006 is a really good year for TNA. This one feels like an outlier. And we get into the reasons why. Even the main event, Christian versus Abyss and Full Metal Mayhem. We got the New Age Outlaws versus the Dudleys. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff on this show. The build to it's very weird as well. Um, but it's an interesting time talking about it, that's for sure. And who am I talking about it with? Well, none other than Kyle from the Smack Raw podcast. Returning to the show, uh, you might have heard him on my Backlash 2002 review a few months ago. Always a good time with Kyle. I've been uh, fortunate enough to come on uh, his show a few times uh, with various hosts in various formats. Always a good time. Check out the Smack Raw podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube and live on Twitch as well. They do. They have a whole cast of characters over there. Kyle and RN do the weekly rewind, which is typically uh, either Sunday or Monday nights where they uh, hit the major bullet points of the, the news and the major things happening in wrestling and current day. You also got Will Gray from uh, Botch Spots and Chair Shots as a part of the Smack Raw crew. He does a lot of interviews and more retro stuff. You also got Ted the Hillbilly Heel. All, all these people, by the way, have been on the Apron Bump podcast. Uh, Ted does a lot of uh, retro stuff as well and puts his own spin on, on heels and wrestling. So and a bunch of other, you know, variety shows all related to wrestling. They do on the Smack Raw channel. So go follow them on all social media so you know when things are happening. Uh, you know, like I said, all audio platforms, YouTube, uh, you jizz, all of those things. So do that. All the info in the description. While you're there, rate this podcast. Why don't you give it a review? Even if it's just a thumbs up, uh, a thumb with a donut next to it that represents, um, you know, a thumb in the uh, the old rectum there. Um, just 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 say good things about me. I know I have a tiny pecker, but, you know, would greatly appreciate it. Helps out if you're watching on YouTube Give the video a like, subscribe if you're not already, leave a comment um, about, I don't know, leave Creed lyrics in the comments if you want. Is that, does Creed sing Sacrifice? Let me, let me, let me look that up here before I, uh, 
talk out of my asshole here. Sorry, I prefer. Well, oh, how's it going? My sacrifice. You know? Yeah, it is Creed. With you, with me, I'm free. Yeah, that's Creed. Um, why are you still here? Listen to the episode, why don't you? <laughs> DNA Sacrifice 2006 with myself and Kyle from the Smack Raw podcast. How's life going, man? How's your day going? Dude, it's it's good. I uh, just sat down. I didn't realize I how long I would put off watching Sacrifice. And <laughs> I just watched it last night, too. So, OK, no worries. I mean, was it worth the wait? Um, no. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you really had to sacrifice your well, time you know, to watch it. Oh, man. Hey, listen, as forgettable of a show it was, it's probably a good thing I just wrapped immediately before we started shooting. Because <laughs> I promise you, this thing's going to be a race for my brain in probably four hours. <laughs> Brother, if I didn't take notes, I couldn't tell you anything that happened on this show. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I did take some notes. Yeah, man. So I guess, first of all, uh, did you watch TNA at all back in the day? No. Not at all. Is this your first ever show you've watched? Uh, from beginning to end, uh, very possibly. I don't know if I've ever no. sat down and watched an entire TNA or Impact. No, actually, I watched. Um, I watched what? Uh, uh, Impact Slammiversary like a year or two ago. Uh, they right. started getting some really b- good uh, uh, hype around them. Um, other than that, yeah, this is uh, and especially this era of wrestling. This is the first full TNA show I've watched. Yeah, I mean, yeah, today's Impact is very different. Uh, than what it was back here in the mid 2000s. But yeah, th- this th- this show, I feel like doesn't represent this era because 2006, especially like all the shows are hits or most of them, yeah. I guess. I mean, really, the, the roster, I mean, the roster they have is insane. Um, I think this show suffered for a few reasons. One, uh, the X Division is like TNA's bread and butter at this point, And I feel like it was neutered. And a couple different ways, which I guess we'll, we'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the main story is Jarrett versus Sting, which is fine. But they it's this started in, in like January and it culminates in October. So we're like, it's just like almost like they're stalling to just have a one on one match with these guys. So they're doing all these wacky shit, which again, we'll talk about that and like how this that tag match later in the show is built up. But then you have some weird it's weird matches throughout the show, but, um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, any other like overall thoughts before we, that we dive into it? Um, so I guess, I guess playing on the set, like my first impression of mm. the show was, um, was picking up on who's, who's still currently wrestling. Uh, so what's in the main advertisement, uh, saw sting Samoa Joe, Christian, AJ Styles, daddy ass, Hell yeah. Uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, Bubba Ray. Uh, Bubba's Bubba just started wrestling again, right? He just went back. Yeah, yeah. He's um, for some reason. So that was that was a cool thing that stuck out to me. Um, so I had like some ties to this product that I never got into or watched. I've, I've heard so much about. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the set. Uh, I, I was a huge fan of the set. Um 
and I feel like you can see a lot of where uh, AEW drew some of their influence yeah. for, for uh, their production and design choice. The separate tunnels. Yeah. Uh, did the tunnels start with TNA or did TNA get their tunnel idea from another obscure company? I'm sure other companies have done it before, but TNA is the first mm-hmm. place I saw it. I mean, it makes okay. sense too, right? That, that was always like a thing. It's like a whatever thing. You can kind of brush it to the side. But like with WWE, you have like mortal enemies are about to fight each other, but they're coming from the same place. So they're both theoretically in gorillas. Like, why aren't they destroying each other in the same there? waiting room? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so I, I do like that conceptually. And the, the, the arena itself, while it's not huge, um, I'm a fan of it, I guess. It's, it has, it's, it's very like synonymous with TNA and it ultimately establishes their identity for better or worse. So. Yeah, so that that uh, initially stuck out to me, and the overall, like I said, the overall first impression of the show was a was a positive one. I was like, yeah. okay, this feels kind of relatable, and and like I said, I tied it to like what my favorite show is currently is AW Dynamite, mm-hmm. and um, I was able to draw some ties there, and that initially got me into the door with this show. Right. Yeah. There, yeah. Definitely, AEW has pulled a lot from TNA, and even I would say WWE has pulled a a good deal. You know, directly, indirectly. At least their roster. Yes, but they they literally pulled. If anything, they got their roster from them. (laughs) Well, it was the other way around, too, for a while, which we're just getting into that era where everybody starts jumping over. We've already seen Christian and the Dudleys, and then it just. I I was wondering about that is is like, where does the like, um, because I I've I've always picked up on TNA like bits and pieces through the eras. Mm -hmm. Where is this into relation to? TNA is just nothing but washed up WWE talent, Hogan uh, uh, mm. and 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 uh, 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 Dixie Carter era. So I would say this is like the perfect balance, like this era right here, mid 2006, mm. because so we have Christian, the Dudleys and Scott Steiner, too. But, you know, it's not too heavy on the New WWE. Age Outlaws. New Age Outlaws, too. But they kind of start fading away a little bit after the show. Um, but you still got guys like AJ. Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, um, that are in the main and Abyss, who's in the main event of this show. You have a lot of, you know, quote unquote, TNA homegrown guys there as well. So I would say this is a good era in terms of like balance between homegrown and just pulling guys from WWE. But then Kurt Angle comes in October or September or whatever it is. And a few months after this show, which is good. Kurt, okay. the, the stuff Kurt does is good. But then it starts getting, you know, with Booker T and Mick Foley and. Um, countless other guys. And then you have the Bischoffs mm-hmm. and the Hogan's and it just, they lose two sides of the ring and then it kind of goes downhill from there. Um, but yeah, man. So well, I guess, so you're, you're, you're coming into this kind of cold. Did the six sided ring trip you up at all watching this? Well, I, I, I've, I'm plenty familiar with, they use the six sided ring and I've seen other yeah. matches in the past. So that was that, that felt like the TNA I was expecting. I, it would have been actually more off to me if this was them using the four-sided ring. Yeah. Because um, I've seen way more highlights and in, in, in stuff about TNA, which includes the six-sided ring, than I have with the four-sided. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. What did you um? What you think of the intro package to the show? The first thing that plays, or if, if you ever, if you watched it or if you skipped over it? Uh, I, I skimmed it. I don't, I, I think what I was doing at the time, I was kind of... Uh, I was kind of multitasking. I was I was in bit and trying to promote some stuff here and, and do some work on my computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what initially caught me was how many uh, 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 wrestlers it featured that are currently wrestling. That was the main mm-hmm. thing that caught me. 
Um, from a production standpoint, only one video package was kind of of note to me, and that was actually the video package for Christian in Abyss. Yeah, like, I, I loved that video package. Mm -hmm. I thought that was uh, uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was very unique because it had like the, like the piano. It was just the like piano, piano music. the eerie piano. It reminded me um, of like uh, essentially similar horror elements that Resident Evil, like one of my favorite video game franchises, right, uh, would do in some of their older games. They use that uh, piano uh, overlay or or background music to uh, to create that eerie atmosphere. Right. And, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan. Yeah, because this is a time period like even WWE. It was very common to just have like the whatever the pay per view theme song is over you know just clips and highlights which was basically that but just they changed the music and it was just like one change but it made it like you said it made, gave it that eerie feeling and yeah tna and their their production was pretty good like the intro package only reason i bring it up is because they're, they're always so well done you have the guy mm -hmm. talks like this in the, in the beginning and uh they always like tie the pay-per-view name to the whatever it is like there's no great reward without sacrifice it's, it's like really corny but it's always yeah um, no i like i said it I hate that I was running so late with watching the show that I, I my my attention was kind of between that and the stuff I was doing on my PC. Um, but it was like, yeah, it, was like, it struck me as good. It struck me as good. I just I uh, I didn't really take notes on the on that. As How much dare as I you? That uh, you, you, you should have sorry in-depth notes on each video package. You should know this white <laughs> Kyle. Um, yeah, white Kyle. Jesus, let's not make that name <laughs> stick, bro. Let's. let's uh, go. I mean, I can make it the names underneath the video if, if that's what you want. No, we'll thank see. you, man. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how this goes. Um, Asian Kyle is yours. <laughs> <laughs> I well, just realized where, where's Asian Kyle coming from? Well, I'm Asian and I'm Kyle. Are you? I'm a, I'm a quarter Filipino. Uh, I would say Filipino was like the closest impression, but I, you don't look enough of it that I would just guess you're Filipino. Well, if you if you would see my cock, you would know for sure. Um, <laughs> so speaking of tiny uh, penises, we got an opening match here. Actually, Petey Williams is probably pretty big. So it's, it's the World X Cup. And uh, yeah. So did you grasp what the World X Cup was based on this show? Like how, how well did like, they explain it? it? It took like half of the entire event right. before <laughs> I could grasp it. I didn't I didn't even catch the name until their gauntlet match, which was a fucking Royal Rumble. So I was super confused yeah. uh, once I saw people entering that. Um, uh, uh, but no, I grasped it. It was it was a uh, it just seemed like they took they took wrestlers from I'm not I'm assuming they're not all signed with TNA. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they took what we had. You had uh, America, Canada, uh, 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 Japan. Mm -hmm. And who was the fourth country? Mexico. That was represented? Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Um, and, um, the only people of note in there was like uh, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and um, and uh, um, uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I took I found out who a couple of the people were, um, right? But those were like the only two names that like I really latched onto, um, that I personally knew who they were. I I, I know who Petey Williams is. Mm -hmm. I, I know that, but y'all know who A One is? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, I don't even know if he's in the gauntlet. He's in a, a later match, though. But we'll get into that. But he was in the later match. I caught. Um, unfortunately, he was. But uh, yeah, the World X Cup, like you said, it's those four countries. 
And um, it's been playing out on Impact. So the way they do it is there's two tag team matches, you know, between the four teams. Not, not, not every team faces each other in each round, but there's two tag team matches and each winning team gets two points. And then the next round, there's two singles matches and the winners of that gets three points a piece. And then the gauntlet later in the show, whoever wins that, they get five points for their team and the runner up gets two points. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's fine in concept. Um, I almost think they, they treated it dirty, though. Yeah, <laughs> they really did. Why do you say did that? It so dirty uh, with Kevin Nash later in the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, they just like he just took like a steaming dump on the entire division. Um, I think um, that for, for that and a few other reasons, I think they I wish they would have made it more sports centered, like kind of like the Cruiserweight Classic where there wasn't really storyline elements. It was just like a showcase. And I think yeah. they tried to like every team outside of USA was a heel, which was because they're dirty and they're foreign and I get fuck up. Yeah. I guess. So but like in this opening match, you have Team Canada versus Team Japan. So you have Petey Williams versus Jushin Thunder Liger, which is that. So Liger is a heel here, which like I'm, I'm not too familiar with Liger. He was heel? In this match, I think that was the idea. He was wearing black. He was like Venom Liger. He was wearing black and white. He um yeah and, and the finish was a very heel finish too so uh, um I mean the match itself mm-hmm. I mean it was not a lot to it you see P D Williams versus Liger you're like wow this is gonna be a on fire match but it was just kinda, mm-hmm. it was okay um like I said Liger out here in the black and white which was interesting you got P D Williams going for the the original can well not well one of the original Canadian destroyers. Um, but is unable to hit it during this match. Liger at one point hits the Liger bomb, but only for a two count. And then PD fights back, hits a spinning neck breaker, and goes for another Canadian destroyer. But uh, Minuro, Minuro, who is uh, another member of Team Japan, he gets on the apron to distract PD and the ref. And then Hiroki Goto, who is a current New, J- New Japan member, uh, he gets in the ring, hits PD with a low blow. And then Liger hits Petey with like a back suplex face buster of sorts and yeah. uh, gets the win. So Japan gets the win here and they, they drape the Japanese flag on Petey. And like I said, it's, I think there's just too much like, oh, I'm the evil villain from the foreign country deal here. So even know. with all that, I couldn't boo Liger. I was yeah. still just like, oh, there's Liger. And, and, you know, they announced on the broadcast at this point, he had already mm-hmm. been wrestling for over 20 years crazy um i couldn't i honestly like the uh, uh it's and maybe because like i said my my attention may have still been a little bit split up during this match i couldn't really put like heel to face dynamic like i um i kind of caught on like to what you were saying it should have been more towards the sports orientated uh-huh. aspect and although it was kind of like a, a heel the heel finish when i see team canada I think heels anyway, so I'm right. like, who cares? I guess I guess the heels are getting getting their comeuppance, and and yeah, it never even crossed my mind that Liger <laughs> was a heel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I saw the black and white, and I was like, maybe he's a heel, but I wasn't really that wasn't at the forefront of my mind throughout the match. But when the, with the low blow finish, I was like, oh, I guess he's a heel. So right, uh, and not an incredibly long match either. It was an opening match, you know, nothing to get you too, uh, nothing nothing too crazy. I guess just to warm up the crowd a bit, but I guess it served up that purpose if anything else. Um, but after that, 
We got Jeremy Borash backstage with America's Most Wanted, the team of Chris Harris Bro. and James Storm. Good shit, right? Bro. What's this segment, man? What happened? Oh, boy. I, I, there was nothing. It was completely normal. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jackie. Uh-huh. Poor Jackie. Dude, what got me was I was what got me was the um uh this is when I was like, yeah, this is definitely a different era of of um pro wrestling because this is very much more the uh not that we don't have zany characters mm-hmm. but it just a lot of things on the show felt a little like extra zany and and i fell in love with jackie watching this whole damn segment i watched Did her you? cry and i was like yeah dude like just watching her like cry it up and then um uh, uh, uh for one watching the the open like the openly on a un, unabashed uh, uh, women abuse that was taking place during this was a was a little just try to keep startling. her in check. You know, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it was a little startling, uh, um, perhaps. And then, uh, uh, but after all of that, when when Jeremy Borash says, "Jackie, what's going on? You've been crying for four weeks straight," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "It dawned." I was like, "Okay, so that has been the thing." You know what I mean? Yeah. I pieced it all together and I found it absolutely hilarious. And then just the over the top <laughs> announcement that she's pregnant. Uh, yeah. And then getting fired for being <laughs> pregnant. Oh, my God, dude. I I loved it. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Like thinking about it now, this little segment is one of the biggest highlights of the whole damn show <laughs> for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> First of all, I didn't even think about it. I love the concept of you just diving into the segment with no context of the storyline. Yes, <laughs> you have Jackie zero, crying, zero. her getting berated by the AMW, Gail Kim fire. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> but this has just been a absolutely absurd story that because, I mean, Jackie came in. I guess the overlying or, or the underlying story is that um, AMW... Jeff Jarrett and a few who other are people. America's most wanted. I, I didn't get a chance to really pick up who they were. So it's Chris Harris and James Storm. So James Storm still wrestles. James Storm is former beer money. Yes. With with Robert Roode or Bobby Roode. Yep. Um, Chris Harris and, and, is mainly known for AMW in the grand scheme okay, of things. Yeah, I'm not familiar with he, him. Uh, he showed up in the ECW, WWE ECW as Braden Walker. Um, I wasn't even watching wrestling at that time. I don't think I was watching wrestling in 2000. You weren't a big Braden Walker guy. Is that what you're telling me? I can't say that I was, man. Wow. One in a million, yeah, I guess. Sorry, I never bought any of the T-shirts. If he had a T-shirt, I'd be shocked. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but AMW, they were they were a really hot tag team for TNA uh, in their early days. At this point, I think they're pretty close to breaking up. Maybe it's like a year from this point. But they were there pretty much from the inception of TNA and the tag team division in TNA was always like one of their their staples, especially like in, you know, 02 through like 05. Like they were like main event type guys and they would face other various teams. And um, but at this point, they're kind of just a heel team. They're like henchmen at this point. Um, OK, but uh, it's it's like a bigger faction that's headed by Jeff Jarrett, I, basically. I was about to say, yeah, because I saw Gail Kim was in the tag match later and right. so i was wondering what uh uh exactly how she tied into like multiple wrestlers yeah evening. It's, it's amw uh, jarrett uh abyss i guess is kind of a part of it he's more of like a, a hired gun maybe um team canada as well so it's, it's a bunch of guys okay but um jackie came in it was a few months ago and she was basically pissed at jarrett because i guess jarrett 
chose Gail over her and Jarrett was holding her down from joining TNA. It was, it was something along those lines. It was very convoluted. Bro, who, who was getting jealous over goddamn uh, Jeff Jarrett? I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, so I don't, dude, this might just be a me thing. I've never understood the appeal of, of, the appeal of Jeff Jarrett in yeah. my life. I'm not, and, it, and here's the thing is, it's not like I hate the guy. I'm, I'm, I am almost 100% apathetic towards Jericho. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, Jared. Jared. And uh, I never got into it. Like the most I've ever gotten into Jared is like the last couple of years, like really, really old Jeff Jared <laughs> right. coming out as like a legend, as uh, uh, this archaic figure from times gone by, which I don't really understand how that makes sense. Cause he's like, I don't think he ever left wrestling. I think yeah, he's, no, just he's always kind of stayed around, tries to start promotions um, here and there and joins the bullet club and then leaves and, Who's getting jealous? Uh, is he really? Is he really like a love interest? So two thousand six. I don't. Seriously. I don't think the idea is that they're romantically together. It, it's more of a business. But who knows? Um, who knows? But yeah, Jackie's you know pissed and she doesn't like Gail Kim. And then there's this whole thing where because uh, Alex Shelley, who's also a part of this group, and he has like his Shelley cam, so he's like the guy that videotapes everything. I guess he like is he kind of like. Like like backstage or more like Brandon Cutler? More like Brandon Cutler. Yes. Okay. That's actually a funny comparison, but it's, it's pretty true. Um, I guess at some point, because Jackie had blackmail on Jarrett, so she was threatening to, you know, ruin his life. So Jarrett got Shelly to go to her house and tape her having sex. And then so they have this text. <laughs> they have this sex tape of Jackie. And they're like, hey, if no. you you're, you're going to you're going to stay in our faction and you're going to help us or we're going to release this to the public. So that's why Jackie's like she, she doesn't want to be a part of this. That's why she's upset and she's okay. crying. I didn't put it together that she was pregnant until they said it. I thought she was just crying because she was unhappy. But apparently and she's suffering some serious trauma on a week to week basis <laughs> so ridiculous and uh i think because i think the storyline just kind of peters out i don't know if she's actually pregnant here she very well may be and maybe that's they didn't touch her this may be her like, their like, way you know, of right she never got off. attacked or nothing to my knowledge no i don't even think she's ever been touched really um in her short okay. time here in tna but yeah so that's a thing that's a thing um unfortunately but after that we have uh, maybe the match of the night here, I would say. The tag team titles are on the line. We got the champions, AMW, versus the team of AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. What do you think of this team of AJ and Daniels here? So I was aware of their history, that they were uh, huge rivals in early TNA, uh, and that at some point they, they did team up. So um, I was aware of the of the obvious chemistry that they were going to have. I was very impressed. I was about like halfway through the match and I was just it was um, it was the first example of what is widely being accepted of how does how did TNA not see what they had with certain talents that they had on their roster? Mm hmm. And it, and it felt obvious to me with um with AJ Styles, you know, and I mean, obviously hindsight is is so 2020 um but i was like okay this is definitely one of those times when it's like uh uh um where that that uh where that common criticism that tna has in impact has had is just how much it overlooked 
its huge depth of talent that it had um, in favor of of the aging WWE and, and right. WCW wrestlers that came through. Um, you know, and this was a was a, a prime example of that because the whole time I was thinking, you know, I was like, damn, this match doesn't feel like a like a, a sophomore match on a pay-per-view. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the match I would have opened with. I would have totally flipped to this with um with the opener between Liger and and uh, uh Petey Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh just because it was hot, man. It was it was a fantastic tag match. Even though I knew no context to it, um I just I it was my second favorite match of the evening. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean there's not a ton of, you know, storyline to this other than like you said AJ and Daniels they had a, a pretty decent, decently long rivalry in the previous year. Um, they've come together. What, what, what kind of brought them together was their kind of three-way rivalry with Samoa Joe. And Joe okay. was kind of like this outside force. And Styles and Daniels kind of had to gang up to, you know, take them down in a sense. Um, but then, you know, Daniels and Styles, they see Jarrett and his whole faction taking over. And I think they're kind of playing to that, like the old WWE, WCW guys, getting like Jarrett and Steiner and those guys, they're taking over. So I guess they're kind of defending the sanctity of uh, TNA in a sense. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think this match opening would have been a good call or maybe even later in the show. It doesn't feel like a second, like he's, it doesn't feel like a second match of the night. Um, but yeah, it was hot, man. I mean, the AMW, they dominate a lot of the match. Um, until AJ gets the hot tag and man, you have peak physical, physical peak of AJ here is something to watch all the, the spin kicks he was doing, the head scissors, the lariats, the, uh, Pele while, uh, while the guy was in the fireman's carry. Yes. Daniels um, has him up. They for, said yeah. that he missed it, but it looked like on my end, at least how the camera angle was, it looked like it connected. Yeah. Um, and then they claimed that he missed it and I was like, damn, he kind of, kind of ruined that for me because <laughs> It looks solid to me. Yeah. Caught him right on the head. And then Daniels hits the, the Death Valley driver after that. You got a you got a Tower of Doom spot, of course. But uh, Daniels was on the top and he holds on to the top rope, which is a little touch that I liked and allowed him to hit a crossbody on the James Storm. You have a uh, absolutely nuts, phenomenal forearm from the ring into the crowd onto Chris Harris. Just uh, insane stuff. And uh, some really good false finishes at the end. There are several times in this match where I was like, oh, that's it. But then it wasn't. You have, uh, mm-hmm. I think, Storms in the middle of the ring. Daniels hits his best moonsault ever. And then AJ hits a splash um, right one after the other. And that was a two count. And then uh, later, AJ goes for a Styles Clash onto, uh, I believe, Storm. Then he hits him with a low blow. And then Storm hits him with a super kick. Pins him. But then Daniels makes a save, like out of nowhere, like the way it was shot, like Daniels just comes out of frame and um, a similar thing when Daniels hits the Angels wings on the storm and then Harris comes and makes the save. So just the tag team element of this match, I thought everything was great. Everything was hitting, but uh, it is TNA after all. So we have to have a ref bump and uh, (laughs) get. So another thing about this match is Gail Kim, who, of course, is with AMW. Is ban- yeah. banned from ringside, but she is not banned from the ra- from the rafters, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Which yeah. is that not ringside? Because you're still within the I don't know. I you're in the same room. You would think ringside means the arena room right. where the ring is held, not just because then what would stop her from just being in the audience and just like lobbing a wrench into the into the like, ring? You know where where does ringside begin and end? We got to we got to consult the rule book on this one yes, or sir. update it. Um, 
So yeah, Gail Kim drops a nightstick from the rafters into the ring. And uh, both teams are kind of jockeying to get it. Uh, Daniels. How great would it have been if they panned up and Sting was up there with her too? Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you know, tosses her off. <laughs> um, but then uh, Daniels hits uh, like a moonsault to Harris on the outside, and uh, so they're both kind of taken out of the equation. And then in, on the inside of the ring, AJ hits the Styles Clash on the James Storm. But um, as Styles goes for the pin, Harris is in with that nightstick to the back of the head of AJ which allows James Storm to cover him and get the win. So AMW retains in a, uh, a really fun match, for sure. Yeah. Um, here's the, here, and, then, and then this show dropped off. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you say that? You don't think... Um... So in my notes, I literally have it that uh, the crowd went crazy for that forearm into the crowd. Yes. And then I didn't hear a peep from them <laughs> until Samoa Joe and Sting's tag mm-hmm. match. There, that in everything that happened between that move and the uh, that tag match, the co-main event, uh, at no point was the crowd noteworthy to me. You don't think they were hot for this, this segment with Larry Zabisco and A1 and Slick Johnson? Who is fucking A1, bro? Like Exactly. He is the most generic muscle dude. So it cuts to Larry Zabisco's office, who he's like the general manager of TNA at this point. Okay, is that his role? Um that's that's not it's not the title, but basically. It's like the head basically. of the council of whatever the hell. Um but A1's in his office with him. And there's this whole underlying story where uh Larry Zabisco is at odds with Raven. Because Raven was pissed because Larry cost him the world title like a year ago. So they've been going at it. And Larry was, you know, getting tired of Raven's shit. So he fired him. But then uh, there's like a new head of TNA management that I guess brought Raven back. So now Larry has hired A1 as the guy to take out Raven. So Larry and A1 are in his office, I guess, discussing strategy or whatever. A1 is literally doing curls. He has a du- full-on dumbbells in his office as, as Larry's talking. Uh, but he's not listening to Larry because he's a big, dumb gorilla. And uh, <laughs> A1 leaves like, okay, he's literally here just to do some curls and then walk out. Uh, and then Slick Johnson comes in, uh, one of the referees for TNA. And uh, Slick Johnson tells Larry that we're going to find out who the new face of TNA management is at Slammiversary because fuck this pay-per-view, I guess. And yeah, right. <laughs> got to sell him. By the way, uh, uh, was this a pay-per-view or was this broadcast? This was a pay-per-view. And it's hilarious that you can't tell it's a pay-per-view just based on how mid it is. <laughs> well, not only that, it kept cutting to commercials. Did, did you watch it on YouTube or Impact? Yeah. Um, YouTube. So I think it didn't cut to commercial. Did you actually have commercials or did it just like fade out? No, it faded out and faded in like there was commercials. It was cutting out of the broadcast. So I think that's based on how it is on Impact Plus, because if you don't have like the premium version, you have ads on there. And I think on YouTube, they pull it from Impact Plus is what I'm guessing. Okay, because that that was confusing the shit out of me. I was unless like, was they they, they like might have reg- had commercials and maybe they I was just- like was this just like a regular episode on weekly television? <laughs> and they just, you know, like I was I was so confused. 
why it yeah. kept cutting out and back in like there was commercials throughout the entire evening. I mean, I didn't watch this live, so and they may very well have had commercials and they just cropped them out. So who knows? But who knows? Uh, I can never tell with TNA. But um, yeah, Slick Johnson apparently knows who this new face of TNA management is going to be. And for whatever reason, Larry Sabisco does not. So this is a very tedious segment that was just hilariously like, why is this not happening? a really good business model to be withholding? dire information like that between the yeah, management wh- team what is this motivation for not telling them like who who gives a shit um i think it ends up being jim Cornette, if i remember correctly yeah. i could be wrong but i don't think that lasts awesome. too long anyways so it's like whatever um but man we have a you said that tag match was your favorite match or your second favorite match of the night i bet yeah. this one was your first we got raven oh man you got it <laughs> versus a1 <laughs> I didn't even watch this match. I took I took a phone call. <laughs> in the in and I I mean I had the phone call. Like okay, so you can't see this, uh-huh. but I have my TV mounted like right there. So it's this fifty inch. It's like only a couple feet from me. Huge television. It's in my face. A phone a simple phone call was all it took to make this match completely wiped from my you're telling me a one he's not a larger than life presence he doesn't just come through the screen it it wasn't until um i got through the new age outlaws in in 3d Mm -hmm. um uh before i realized i had missed a match and i had to rewind back just to so i could say i'm aware of who wrestled (laughs) uh so uh, for one, A, has anybody in this evening aged worse over the last 15 years than Raven? Brother, that's that's like, I don't have a lot of notes on this match because not a lot happened. My, yeah. The Raven's look here is atrocious because like two years before this, he looked young, you do, he was handsome. You know, when you when I was doing the slider on the YouTube and it's kind of like giving you little previews of where, where you've slid to, yeah. I thought it was Hurricane Helms wrestling. <laughs> The green hair was uh, <laughs> the green hair, man. The green hair made um, him look so old because it, you could tell how balding he was from the color of the hair. And then the the the, the attire. What were your thoughts on his his what he was wearing in this match? Dude, like I said, he looked like Hurricane Helms um, on like a quick glance. Uh, uh, it, it was that's I think the most noteworthy thing about this match is how unnoteworthy it was. The <laughs> biggest thing that stood out to me was there was a pull apart. Between Raven and Larry Zabisco. That's how hot apparently this feud is. It's it, not. it calls for security. And I all I could focus on was like, okay, find somebody you know in that security pile. <laughs> yes. I found a while. I found I found a control your narrative uh uh CEO in EC3 uh in there. I thought oh, I really? saw really yeah, yeah. Uh it's one of the last frames of the security. I think that he was holding back Zabisco like in the crowd. Interesting. Yeah, it's clearly EC3. I thought I saw Ethan Page, but then it just turned out it was some other guy with like a douchebag goatee mustache combo. Um, and plus, I think Ethan Page would have been like. A at this point, <laughs> I was so. about to say, how old is Ethan Page? It's probably 11. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely saw um, definitely saw EC3, though, in the crowd. Interesting. 100 percent. Yeah, probably the most noteworthy. That was probably the most noteworthy uh, part of this whole oh, deal fault. other than a, a Raven's. Uh, he had this law because like he always wrestles in a skirt in TNA, which is fine. But this version of it, it looked like a black trash bag that was wrapped around him. And it went all the way to his ankles. And then he had this awful yeah, shirt. Really weird, it was like an affliction style shirt. And then the, with the green hair, he just looked awful and old. And I feel like he was trying to combine like 
dated pop culture at that point. Like he was trying to combine like corn and the matrix <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, just a whole bunch of other things. And it was just like a weird algamation of, of outdated pop culture. And it did yeah. not work. Yeah. And uh, a one, like I said, just a generic big man, nothing, you know, just bear hugs and the belly to belly, like not even impressive move set. He, he's doing this weird pose where he's like, it's almost like a Randy Orton thing. He keeps doing that over and over again. Like it's a video game and he's trying to spam it. Um, <laughs> then uh, the Raven effect for the win by Raven. That was actually a pretty sick looking DDT. Uh, a one's neck looked like it fucking broke on this, but uh, otherwise, yeah, pr- pretty much a nothing match here. Uh, but the story, like you said, was kind of the pull apart at the end between Larry Zabisco and Raven. But of all people on your roster that you could facilitate a pull apart segment, <laughs> you went with Larry Zabisco, fucking sixty year old Larry Zabisco, and his his bowling shirt against Raven and his stupid green you, hair. You could have just let him go; they would have petered out at forty five. Because Raven was gassed. A one or uh, Larry Zabisco's old, so it would yeah, like you said, they would just it would have been like that Family Guy. I don't know if you've seen that, where it's like the two old guys fighting, and it's like in slow motion. It would have been that. It would have been, would that. Have been that, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, and the hits it's just keep the on coming. show, man. Hits keep on coming, man. We got Rhino versus Bobby Roode. So I watched this match. I watched like half the show one night and half the other night. Mm-hmm. I watched this match in bed. I fell asleep after the entrances and I woke up right before the finish and nothing made me want to go back and watch it. Um, did you happen to, to, to take a gander at it? Dude, no, I like I said, it's it was just it like the most noteworthy thing is how unnoteworthy noteworthy everything really was. Mm-hmm. So the only the only real takeaway I got from this was uh, uh, WWE's Bobby Roode is better than TNA's Bobby Roode. However, TNA's Bobby Roode is better than WWE's Robert. So this is like this is like uh, my my second favorite. <laughs> my brain just turned iteration. into a pretzel there. I think I, I think I know what you're what you're getting at though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like T, like like NXT's Bobby Roode, way better than whatever TNA was putting out. But okay. I would have taken this TNA version over uh, over the Robert Roode that we currently have. Um, so Bobby Roode, he's he's and that that was kind of my one note on this is like it it seems like Team Canada is about to disband. And they're kind of trying to establish an exit strategy like for a one. They're like, let's see if this guy can handle a singles match. And he couldn't. So that's why he never really announced it to much. Whereas this one, it was like it still wasn't like a five star classic by any means, but it was competent. And Bobby Roode definitely has more of a star appeal than a one. So this is definitely setting up Bobby Roode to go on his singles run here. He even comes out in his robe that because he, he would eventually have this like money um, like Wall Street kind of character. He would uh, change his name to Robert Rude and um, he would become his own thing like outside of Team Canada. And they're definitely setting that up here um, and getting a win over Rhino, who is an established name. He uh, Rude hits the Northern Lariat after uh, Scott Demore distracts Rhino and the ref. And um, yeah, otherwise, not a lot <laughs> going on here. But Robert Rude, he, he goes on to do some good stuff. I mean, we're only a year or two away from beer money. Um, has a decent little singles run before that and then his world champion afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he peaked at um, in NXT uh, from I mean, but like I said, I'm not getting I, I didn't get really any of uh, mm-hmm. any TNA 
I would say his later TNA run, which was in like uh, 2012 or something. I think he still holds the record for longest world title reign in TNA. So he had a really good run there. I would say that was his peak. But NXT, you know, it's a bigger stage. So you can argue that. But it was less it was a less of a duration. Like, uh, you know, you could argue either way. But I think his TNA run uh, later in the 2000s was definitely his peak. Okay. Uh, But. After that, we have uh, Team 3D backstage with Jeremy Borash. Um, and they let us know that there's four things of equal significance. 9-11, uh, the OJ trial, George Bush, George W. Bush getting elected, and the Dudley Boys winning their first ever tag team titles. Those are all of equal uh, in the history of America or whatever. Those are all uh, just as significant. So how could you argue? How could (laughs) you you argue? (laughs) And so and this is all building to um, the next match, which is the James Gang, otherwise known as the New Age Outlaws versus Team 3D, also known as the Dudleys. And I actually do like the story here because the Dudleys won their first ever WWE tag team titles by beating the New Age Outlaws. And I guess it was by hitting, I guess the Dudleys used a steel pipe to win it. So that's the whole thing. So this basically they're uh, they're looking for revenge here or yeah. the, the game. And I remember yeah. them mentioning that yeah. throughout it, too, because I, I wasn't aware of that history. Right. And it was kind of neat. I, I like it. Um, I uh, I say this on my show, too. I like it when um, wrestling shows are willing to acknowledge other wrestling shows to help yes. tie storylines in to because it it's it's one of those things like. Your, your business is to craft stories. And if you can tie their history, even if it is elsewhere, to help uh, improve the story that you're telling, then you obviously should do it. It's It right. benefits everybody, including the fans. Um, so I thought that was cool. The only thing that, that was off to me was like, and, and I don't know, this could have been because I'm trying to come out of the uh, induced coma that was uh, <laughs> from Raven in A1. So I'm trying to wake back up for this match. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's weird because, hey, this is a this is a little uh, uh, Easter egg note for anybody. Um, I think uh, 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 Road Dog uh, was my first original favorite wrestler, like all time. Like it really? was like as for like maybe like six months when I was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Road Dog was just like the coolest thing in the world. Um, it, it quickly went from that to Rey Mysterio. But I remember like Road Dog initially. <laughs> My tomato, first tomato. ever, my first ever, my my first ever AOL email was uh, was Road Dog, uh, <laughs> back in like nineteen ninety. I get it because as a kid, I, I liked Road Dog too. He had a very unique look, and like the New yeah. Age Outlaws were super over, so it was a natural. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course, I'm a uh, my favorite era of wrestling is the um uh, uh the tag. Uh, the tag wrestling that took place between the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Same like, here. Um, that yep. whole that is like that is like peak uh, pro wrestling for me as a kid because I that's when I was like super into the car crash TLC style matches mm-hmm. and I and I like I loved them and and I didn't really pay attention to like all this extra stuff that that actually makes pro wrestling really good. Um, so with all of that, I was like, damn, this this match should uh, really like uh, tickle my like nostalgia and and get me into it, and I just did it <laughs> i could not i don't know i could not feel more dis. i mean i was more interested in this than the previous two matches that took place but i don't know man and i just found myself looking there i was like 
You know, at this time period, Road Dog could still rock cornrows. Like, he could still be rocking cornrows in 2006. Could he? And that's, I think he could have. I don't know. If he had the uh, hair, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, he looked like he had the hair a lot. He just wasn't mm. growing. I don't, I, I mean, I didn't really recall if his hair was thinning. It looked right. like he still had his hairline. I don't know. But it was, it was, it was all right. You know what I mean? Like, um, it was, it was for what it was supposed to be. I think it kind of hit what it, you know, what they sought out to do. Mm-hmm. I will say though, like, obviously attitude era undertones throughout this entire match. And, uh, yeah. That that fall. So Rody or uh, BG James Road Dog, whatever you want to call him, he still tries to uh, ride the momentum of the New Age Outlaws with the promo in the beginning. Like it's it's the same, same promo beat. that never changed. It fell so flat though in this particular. Like nobody cared about it, and because uh, it's just like he has to. Ch- he can't. Say, he's not the. They're not the New Age Outlaws, so they got to change little terms here and there, and it just doesn't roll off the tongue, and it's like awkward. So and nobody I don't think really because I think this this match is a filler match like this is a match of two teams who aren't doing anything. So let's make them have a match together. They're both baby faces. Like, who do we boo? Who do we cheer? So it's 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 a filler match, but it's like, OK, it's fun. It's like two attitude era teams. You know, they're having a fun little match. Most of it is lighthearted, I would say. Um, yeah, they do. Um, they all do their drop kicks, which is like because Kip James Billy Gunn, he can do a drop kick. He's always been able to do a drop kick. He probably still could. Uh, mm-hmm. But none of the other people in the match, Steve on Bubba, Dude, Road Dog. <laughs> he did. Has like. Has, has um has Billy Gunn been able to do steroids for like 30 years? And he's just like <laughs> the one guy no one calls on it. Like he has oddly been like he's oddly never been not jacked. Like ever in his whole career, including now, including now, he's arguably in the best shape of his whole life. Is he is he just secretly like everyone giving him a pass? Yeah, to it's like, like, eat like horse meat or something. I don't know what the fuck's going on. How Snoop Dogg can just smoke weed wherever he is. Yeah, if he's in a he hospital, gets, you, if he's you, a, you just you know. get a pass for it. Yeah, yeah, he's that guy. You know, what's a fact that I just learned. You know, like Snoop Dogg, like Snoop Dogg pays a, a, a joint roller. Billy yes. Gunn pays the guy for injections. <laughs> his, his ass is like a. Uh, a pin cushion at this point, but oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. No, but I was going to say uh, a crazy fact that I learned the other day is that uh, Kip James is two years older than the undertaker, which is insane. When you look at the undertaker, I guess Road Undertaker dog is older than the undertaker. Kip, Kip James is Billy Gunn is Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn, Billy Gunn's in James. this match. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, shit. The, it's the James gang. Don't you know you're not down with the James gang? No, dude, I didn't even know the <laughs> fucking tag name. I just it was just Billy Gunn and, and New Age yeah. Outlaws. I don't blame Yeah, him. I didn't even pay attention. I, I will say this. Um, I did see a bit of uh, uh, stuff that I've looked back. Road Dog, uh, from the stuff that I saw, he had actually a really good tag team with R-Truth. Um, yes, the, uh, the, the Free Life or whatever crew, they were called. Or whatever yeah. they were in WWF, and then they came to TNA and they were a team. Because Truth's here in TNA, too. I don't think he has a match on the show. but I think I saw like a, a at some point a segment that had him but possibly yeah possibly um but yeah kind of just like it's you know they're trading drop kicks uh road dog does a drop kick on bubba bubba's like well you could do a drop kick and then bubba does his own drop kick which is awful uh (laughs) i think devon probably does one you know bubba bubba does his drop kick and he does like the aj styles pose which i thought was funny (laughs) shit i missed that damn it gotta go back you gotta go back the intro package uh the larry's abisco stuff um 
<laughs> at one point, I think it's Bubba and uh, Road Dog. They like punch each other at the same time and knock each other out. So it's it's like slapstick shit until the end, where um, because remember the Dudleys won their first titles in WWE with, with a the lead steel pipe. pipe. Yeah, we got old Road Dog getting his receipt, pulls out a lead pipe, hits Devon with it, and that gives the James Gang the win. So. I don't. I was thinking. <laughs> I I don't know what, but like, um, Bubba Ray has always just looked like, uh, uh, I, it's like he can never. I don't know how to explain, how to articulate it. The look on Bubba Ray's face, like he always has got the same angry, like expression. I've noticed like throughout his whole career, mm. he's got just one expression for like anger and betrayal, uh, and. And I don't know. I was like, dude, this dude never, never loses a match. Like even no matter what, at the end of the match, he's always like just eye, eyeing like his opponents down. Like he didn't beat us. Like, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how to don't know how to articulate it, but I, I get what you weird. mean, though. Yeah. 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 Like he, he somehow manages at the end at the end of the day, at the end of the match, Bubba Ray knows how to divert the attention to him, um, which this this more facilitated it because it was his partner hit with the lead pipe, not him. Right. And, you know, so obviously the one the person who feels the most emotion out of this is going to be him being betrayed. But nonetheless, I don't know. I was just like, I was like, that's the same Bubba that we've had for 20 plus years. So yeah. With the exception of, of the of the of the uh, the stuttering Bubba years that we had. Well, that was his peak. Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the best. Um, but yeah, after like because the James gang, they kind of fade away. They do the whole VKM thing, which I don't know if you're familiar with the Voodoo Kin Mafia. I, I, uh, yeah, I've heard it. I heard the name, yeah, the Voodoo Kin Mafia. And that was, once again, who was that? That, that was, was, was that the New Age? Yes. Yeah, that was their that new was name. Them? Yeah. And they, that, they're, I guess they turned heel. And uh, VKM, which is the initials of Vince Kennedy McMahon. McMahon, yeah. So it was, it was an anti-WWE faction. So they never, never like, culminated into a match on TV. It was just them cutting promos. Like, oh, we're going to, because I think this kind of coincided with DX reuniting on WWE. So they were like, oh, we're going to invade and be a part of it. And of course, they never did. So it was okay. stupid. But otherwise, I want to say really... I've heard bits and pieces of that time period. Yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, Kip James, Billy Gunn would do various things. I think at one point he was the manager for the Beautiful People, which is a, a women's tag team. And uh, but yeah, none, none too much for them. But the Dudleys are constant focal points for several years after this. So Billy Gunn makes a good third man, though. I gotta say that. I guess like, he's so. Like yeah, a good third man. He's a good looking guy, and he's like a giant of a human being too. I mean, I'd scissor him. So, <laughs> didn't he get his <laughs> dick chopped off think... on Rampage or something? What what happened there? I don't think you'd have a choice. Um, no, what did happen to him? Oh no, it looked like he got fingernails plucked. Oh, he was being held hostage. It it dude it like I don't know why, but all I could think about was the Edge and Christian show uh, when they would interrogate people. Um, <laughs> yes, but theirs was like yeah. really silly. But they'd interrogate people to get like really in their face and they'd just be rocking the the, the light bulb back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the classic like kidnapped interrogation aesthetic. Anyways, dark room, singular light bulb, someone strapped to a chair. Yeah. And Swerve, it's implied that Swerve was like plucking his fingernails. Right. Um, Can't scissor yeah. anymore, I guess. I don't know how they're going to follow that up, though. That's a weird. I mean, I guess you just like tape the fingers and just say that they're yeah. jacked up. Maybe um, you, you got to follow up with. It. I mean, you have to show it. You know what I mean? Put Otherwise, actual what, scissors what? on his fingers. 
No. I, I'm just saying, like, like, like you, you did an angle where you like where you maimed somebody. Mm. So if they come out like two weeks later and and there's no maiming, there's no like injury to be seen. Like, what did you do? It's on rampage, though. You know, it's not like anybody's paying attention. But hey, I, <laughs> it's true. No, you're not lying. You're not lying. Maybe they could have used a 16 man gauntlet match. But speaking of which. What the hell was this? Let me let me just run down the names in this match real quick. We got PD Williams, Jay Lethal, Minero, Black Tiger, Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, Jushin Thunder Liger, Sanjay Dutt, Puma, Johnny Devine, Tyson Dukes, Hiroki Goto, Eric Young, Shocker, Incognito, and Magno. Thoughts? <laughs> so... I'm kind of offended that you skipped over the legendary Abyss and James Mitchell promo and also the debut of former Diva Search winner, Christy Hemming. Okay. I was going to get to Christy Hemming. I was going to get, I was going to get to her. Okay. Uh, um, no, but as far as, as far as the roster you laid out, um, the, uh, the one person that really stuck out to me, uh, believe it or not, besides being, uh, besides Jay Lethal was, uh, uh, uh Incognito. Dude, he was, was like, impressive I've seen as that hell. Fool before, yeah. Uh, turns out that's in, that's in Kara, man. Is it really? Yeah, it's wow. uh, uh, Hunico. Right, of course. Hunico's uh, uh, Sin Kara. Yeah, man. Uh, I was like, I know I've seen. At first, I thought it may have been Loki, because I the, he had like a really pronounced jaw, like Loki does. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I just did a quick Google search, and yeah, no, it turned out it was Sin Kara. It's interesting because I thought because he did the suicide dive in this match which is very reminiscent of, um, I don't know if you've watched Lucha Underground, but uh, Bits Santa. I saw like half of, half of, if not the majority of the first season. Right. Um, so King Cuerno, if you're familiar with him, AKA Santos Escobar, he does yep. this um, suicide dive. That's like crazy. It's like the best way is he like spear. It's like a trident. Just it's it, the way it's like so straight and fast. And hey, Incognito did that. So I was like, is this Santos Escobar? But I guess it wasn't. Um, and he does this like crazy, like he's in the ring. He just leaps to the top rope, not the turnbuckle, just at the middle of the rope and just does a lion salt off the top rope. So I was like, man, this guy's, I didn't know who this guy was, but he's impressive. And he was probably the one that stuck out to me, uh, among no, everything. What got to me was, um, it's, you have such a special match and it confused me going into it with fresh eyes. Cause I hear gauntlet match. So I'm thinking WWE gauntlet match. You wait till someone's pinned, right. somebody else yep. comes. Um, but it turned out it was essentially a Royal Rumble, but the winner is is a, a, a pinfall decided with a pinfall, I guess. Mm. Um, unless it was like the you could have done either and they just chose to finish. with. I don't know. Other than that, um, dude, it felt like it, it should have been really, really good. But I don't know. It felt rushed to me. It yes. felt like because the um, the uh, for one. You don't need a guy to count down over the uh, over the uh, speakers. <laughs> you don't need this fool One. counting us down. Yes. Um, two, I get that you can't. You know, they were probably on time constraints, so not everybody can get like a full entrance. But when they just sprint to the ring at full speed, mm-hmm. it was. I gave up trying to figure like type down everyone's names after I got past Mini Steiner because um, I didn't even catch his name, and at that point, I just gave up. Mini Steiner. Uh, yeah, there was a guy with like blonde hair in there. I don't know if he was the guy that that um, who was the one that uh, that uh, in Steiner math was dressed up. Oh, like Petey Williams. Version. 
was oh that was that was Petey Williams. Yeah, you're saying there was another was it Eric Young maybe? There was a, there was another guy in there blonde who looked like a miniature Scott Steiner. Eric Young had blonde hair. He was wearing the long red tights. That may have been. Who else it would be? It, Tyson Dukes. He's kind of a lanky guy though. No, Tyson Dukes was like the really tall, goofy looking guy. Yes. He ended up eliminating uh, Jushin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it wasn't him. Alex Shelley maybe. He had like the half blonde hair. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it was it was like right where I lost track of the names because of how fast they were entering. I was like, shit, I can't keep up with this anymore. Yeah. Um, it felt like a match. that I mean, that should have been better, but lots of talent. It was just like you said, it was rushed. It was a rushed match. Yeah, I, I couldn't I didn't have time to like see any like big moves occur and, and big moments take place like you use traditionally get in like a rumble style match. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool, though, seeing a, a, a early Jay Lethal, although Jay Lethal has been around so long, he could have been a 10 year veteran at this point. Um, he's he's the um, the youngest person on the roster at this point. I think he's like 20 years old really? here. Good um, God, dude. Yeah. Which is crazy. How long has Jay Lethal been doing this? I mean, um, so I'm actually I've been watching. Uh, I cover old school Ring of Honor and I'm at the point now where he's like he like just turned 18 so he can start wrestling now, <laughs> which is like 2002, wow, 2003, whatever it is. So I didn't um, think it, I didn't. Yeah, it's weird to hear like Jay Lethal as like a young guy. Yeah, he's like still going him man. as like a young guy in a promotion. Um, but another problem with this, other than, you know, it's just it's 16 guys. You have to spread the wealth divided by 16. So everybody only gets a, f- a few seconds to shine here. Mm-hmm. Um, the World X Cup in general, like what's the um, what are the stakes? You get a trophy. Yeah. It's That's like what, I was wondering that too, I had a tough way, I had a tough time carrying like who won the the title or the whatever the trophy. Well, not to mention it gets tied into I everybody that was from Japan was like a, a junior heavyweight people, and then yeah. so I'm assuming this was all like essentially this was nothing but cruiserweights, uh, uh, and and that's kind of what it appeared. There was no like right. like big bigger wrestlers in this um and that's that's part of what kevin nash's problem was too is apparently you're not allowed to to just be small um yeah so yeah no it was hard it it was like in one hand they were describing this tournament like they were trying to get over this tournament and the story and the points and here's the drama because at the end pd williams win and by the way i was wondering why Mm -hmm. i didn't get to see a canadian destroyer in the opening match and it turns out it was because they were saving it for uh, the finish of this match so that was pretty Mm -hmm. cool um, but, uh, 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 so they, they trying to, and there's the drama of now they're tied up, uh, Canada and America tied up with points. And so it's like, in one hand, they're trying to make us care. And then in the next, in the next second, like, uh, uh Kevin Nash came <laughs> right. and just was like, yeah, like small people suck. And it was, it was weird hearing essentially, um, the term mid years before it was popularized, although he was right. saying mediocre, but it's the same context. And he's like a mediocre big guy can still smash the runner up of this tournament and stuff. And it was weird. It was like they actively tried to make me care and not care at the same time about this shit. Yeah. And also like Team Mexico and Team Japan. I feel like most of the guys were wearing masks. So they kind of was like, who's Mexico? Who's Japan? So that was another aspect I didn't really (laughs) that kind of took me out of it as well. Um, But yeah, this really all just set up the Nash segment which like you said he gets in there because the final two were uh pd williams and puma of team mexico pd wins 
with the Canadian destroyer. So Puma's out, out cold. Then Kevin Nash comes in. I can't remember if he takes out Petey Williams or not, but he definitely gets in there and gives the jackknife to Puma and picks him up and gives him a big boot. And Nash is basically here to destroy the X division. So it was a, he's, he's had a few promos on impact leading up to this show where he's like, okay, TNA, their whole, uh, the differentiating, the differentiating thing about TNA, the thing that makes him stick out is the X division. So if right. I destroy the X division, that means that I'm the, th- the thing that sticks out in TNA that I'll get paid. More. So that's like the whole thing. And that's his whole motivation here. And, and there's, um, there's something, uh, that really was confusing me uh, 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 about this, um, but I'll get into it after the uh, uh, next match. And I'll explain right. like why one thing makes sense and the other one didn't. Okay. Okay. Well, for, before that, we got to talk about Christy Hemi a little bit. Um, yeah. I forgot to, you know, former, former Playboy model, Christy Hemi. Coming out here, uh, newly signed to TNA, but they don't really have a women's division here. So she's here to stroke the trophy. That's ringside. Um, literally, it's this huge ass trophy. She's working it like a stripper pole, and that's that's her contribution. So it's oh man, dude, women were so treated so weirdly. Like like know. it's it's so funny watching like wrestling trying to figure out where its value in in female talent was mm-hmm. uh, uh, in time periods, and then also just moment to moment. You know what I mean? Like one moment you have like wrestlers like China. Um, like being able to, to scrap with men and, and, and like have this legendary run. And then in the next moment, you know, you've got like Vicky Guerrero in a hog pen match, um, <laughs> you know, like uh, it's just, it's so, it, it's just so weird to yeah. see like uh, uh, just um, exactly how women were used. And it was, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really obvious. It's not like it's a surprise to anybody. It's just, it really just facilitated from moment for moment. Are, yeah. you, are you eye candy or, or what, you know? I mean, hell that the whole diva search essentially was that dude scoured models like to hire for uh, for WWE during that time period. It's funny though. She was, <laughs> Christy Hemi was in a WrestleMania women's title match, like a year before this, which is, is funny to think about. Cause like that's, like yeah. you said, it just fluctuates so quickly in this mm-hmm. time period. I really don't remember anything about Christy Hemi outside of her diva search stuff. Cause I, I was she watching do it much. live. Yeah. She was a valet for, I think the, the road warriors thing with animal and hide and Reich. Um, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Um, yeah. but yeah, it is what it is. I don't think she does much. I think she becomes like a ring announcer at some point, but I don't think she does much in TNA. Um, but after that, <clears throat> we got a tag team match. The team of Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner versus the team of Sting and Samoa Joe. It's an interesting one here. So, again, the whole story here is Jarrett versus Sting. It culminates at Bound for Glory in October. But this is kind of like a side quest of sorts for uh, whatever the hell. Um, the build the build to this was was weird because you have Jarrett and Scott Steiner who are a team. And they're like, hey, Sting, go find a partner. Can be anybody. So they're doing this whole, like in the buildup on Impact, uh, Sting is like, I guess Sting, he has like two guys that Jarrett can choose from, but they're each like in separate tunnels. And Sting's like, Jarrett, you, you, you can pick which tunnel represents my partner. And then Jarrett's like, no, nah, I'm not going to pick it. I'm, I'm going to do it on my terms or whatever the hell. And then so Sting brings a one impact. It's a great impression. <laughs> 
is like um who's he have it's buff bagwells and one uh tunnel and lex luger is in the other tunnel jesus christ but Jarrett didn't pick any so none of them are actually his partner and they did they do it the following week but this time it's just one person and it's Rick Steiner this time, but Jarrett still didn't pick him, so he's not going to be his part. So it's just like it's just like we're just trying to get names on Impact, I guess is the mm-hmm. purpose of this. Um, but in addition to that, this is Samoa Joe's first like four A four A and non X division stuff because he came in mm-hmm. to the X division, won the title, had the whole thing with AJ and Daniels. He's even he's the X division champion here at this point. I don't even know if he came yeah, out with the belt. He's or not. walking around with the title at the end of the match. He did okay. Um, but that that's another thing. And I kind of mentioned this earlier. I think that contributed to the, the lackluster nature of this show is that there was not an X division title match because Joe is tied up in this. Um, but I thought the match was fine. It didn't really grip me. Um, I don't I know. What do you think? That, Did you? Yeah. It's so weird to me because like, so this was like the weirdest match to me because you 75% of this match is made up of wrestlers that I could never get interested in. Right. I could never get interested in 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 Scott Steiner, Jeff Jarrett, or even I hate to say it, even Sting. I'm um, with you. I do like I like AEW Sting, but you're always going to win me over if you jump off tall things. I know <laughs> he did that um, a little bit in this um, match too. He's flying all over yeah, the place. Yeah, he did that a little bit here too. And and Sting, I I totally get the appeal of Sting. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying and I'm not saying like the guy sucked by no means. There's mm-hmm. a reason why he's as legendary as he is. Is just like. He kind of represents a generation that I always looked at, like at like my dad's generation. So I was always yeah. hard to get into. I think you had to be age. there. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just like it's the same thing. If like if I try to show like uh, kids like half my age, you know, music I listen to and 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 uh, and, and pop culture um, from from like when I was a teenager, they're just going to naturally be more resistant. They weren't there to experience it. So it's just mm-hmm. it's just a little bit different. Um but then you got Samoa Joe, and that was the hook for me. I love fucking Samoa Joe, no matter what version I'm getting. Mm-hmm. And then the match got really good. Uh, Sting fired up. I thought the chemistry was great. The crowd woke up. Yes. Um, that's what I noticed was, like, the crowd finally woke up from this coma they had been in since uh, the uh, tag match mm-hmm. earlier in the night, which, if that's a sign for anything, is, is TNA knew how to do good tag matches. They did. Um, uh, it, was, it was a really – it was a fun match. I didn't feel any stakes to it. But right. yeah. it was it was a lot of fun to watch. Like it was, I think, my favorite match actually of the of the evening. Um, That's fair. One. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, because uh, I'm Samoa Joe's top three for me. So seeing him and his physical peak here is always going to be a treat, um, especially him. This because, like I said, this is kind of his first main event match with like main event guys. So seeing him hit like Jarrett with the Uranagis and throwing out soup belly to belly suplexes to Scott Steiner and Steiner was throwing them back too. So it was fun. There was fun interactions within this match and getting to see him on his rise to the the main event. You know what I mean? Like right there as he was breaking through. That is pretty, that's pretty gnarly. No, it was, it was super, like he's super over. I mean, everybody loved Joe. He was arguably the hottest, you know, act going in TNA at this point. Once again, another talent is crazy to see that nobody saw value in this man. Um, till like, you know, what, like the late, the late teens, you yeah. know, but by the time he made it over to a, a WWE, it's just crazy. Once again, another guy that, that went without being signed to WWE for so long. Um, 
That was that look, man. Obvious you value. needed those. You needed abs to be in WWE. You needed the traps. That's true. Yeah, the, you needed that. That's that's the face, though. Like like Samoa Joe is just one of the most captivating dude. He's uh, looking people. Um, he's legitimate. He's like a genuine. Even when he speaks his promos, I think he's one of the best talkers in wrestling as well. On top of his wrestling, everything well, there's about a reason him is, why he's put on commentary. Like, yeah, well, he was. Injured. He was there's a reason. Yeah, he's fucking so great at that too. With, yeah, man. No, the guy's excellent. Super talented. Um. So ultimately, this match, uh, the finish comes when uh, Jarrett he hits Joe with a low blow, gives him the stroke, which is like a skull crushing finale type move, but uh, right. only gets a two count. So uh, Jarrett goes to the top rope or pulls Joe up to the second rope to try to hit the stroke off the second rope. But Joe fights out of it. He like leaps off the second rope, rolls, hits him with a sick enziguri and then a muscle buster for the win, which I I wasn't expecting Joe to just pin him in the middle of the ring. Although I guess it's important to say that Joe is still undefeated at at this point. So Mm -hmm. I guess he wasn't going to lose this match either. So, Um, So, yeah, Joe gets the win. Him and Sting do. And then uh, what do you think? What do you think of the aftermath here of this match? So this is the part that really bugged the piss out of me. Yeah. OK. Because I get the trope that he, like heels can be doing dastardly things in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you there's always that wrestling trope. Like, why doesn't anybody come out like wrestlers just don't have friends? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the the whole thing of. They're uh, 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 Jarrett and and Steiner are going to beat down Sting and Joe at this point, I guess, like turns heel by just not caring. And he walks off. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, we're getting to see this this cold hearted Joe. That's cool. And then the X Division comes out. Apparently, the X Division loves Sting. And this is the part that really fucked me up, man, because they come out to save Sting when the before this match you have the one guy who's calling out the entire division in Kevin Nash. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm here to destroy all of you people. And you guys don't think that it calls to come out and beat down Kevin Nash yet. You're going to come out. And I mean, I get, I get stings a legend and and respect your legends and those who come before you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just is. It was just like a weird trope to me that like, okay, you're, you're willing, you're willing to send the division out to, to, to save Sting, but you're not willing to send them out to uh, uh, protect themselves against Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I get it. I get that you have to, this is a story that with the Kevin Nash shit is just picking up and just rolling. But it was just awkward to see them run out for one and not the other. So I see what you're saying. I think, well, there's two things. One, the Nash stuff earlier happened like immediately following the match where virtually the entire exhibition was a part of. So maybe they're they're tuckered out. Maybe they're uh, getting some ice on their tummies and their backs and they they can't run out uh, immediately. Uh, And secondly, uh, I don't think anybody gives a fuck about Puma that he got beat up. So um, (laughs) fuck Puma, I guess. And uh, yeah, I I see what you're saying. That makes sense. But yeah, the whole. So this this tag match, they were building like tension between Samoa Joe and Sting like commentary was they were like they, they got dressed in separate dressing rooms like how are they going to get along but i didn't feel mm-hmm. like that translated in the match or anything on screen that there was I saw, hostility i saw more friction between steiner and in uh uh, uh Jared, Jared. I yeah no i yeah i agree I, I thought i saw more animosity between them 
Yeah. And Samoa Joe has been, he's, he's a heel here, essentially. Like he has been since he debuted. So maybe that's just the, oh, it's a heel and a babyface team. And how are they going to get along kind of thing? It's implied, but I like, I love that the crowd's encouraging Joe to save Sting. Um, and then Sting gets uh, essentially gets his characters killed. He gets blasted with the guitar, right? That's the kill yeah. shot. You know what I mean? And then Joe motions like he might turn around and the crowd's like, yeah, go save him. It's like, dude, it's too late. Like, it's like watching like <laughs> it's like watching Batman and Martha get gunned down in the alleyway and right. then cheering the police on to go stop. Him. It's like, no, dude, it's it's too late at this point. The thing happened. Mm-hmm. You you sh- like the crowd, the crowd even baiting that Joe might now go down there. It, it was just so silly. To He's me. already dead. He's already it's already dead. dead. Yeah, like the crowd should have started booing. The the commentary should have at that point, at that point, been like, "Joe, you turned your back, you dastardly bastard," or something. But instead, it's like, "Yeah, Joe, go save him now." Like, it's, no, like, yeah, it's too late. It was interesting. And the X Division finally came through and and ran him off. What what was the X Division's relation with with Sting, anyways? By the way, I missed. What was the reason they went out at that point? they like sting i guess he's a legend like <laughs> i don't know it's just a locker room full of darby allens yeah <laughs> it was just the babyface tunnel though sting, it's, it's very important sting sting notoriously gets along with right. undersized baby faces <laughs> on the on up and coming baby faces on the roster it's also interesting because Samoa joe is kind of like anti-x division like he doesn't there's like a code they have to shake hands and all that. And Samoa Joe never does that. Although he did in this match, he, he shook, he shook uh, Sting's hand after the match, but then yeah. didn't save him after with the beatdown. So I, I'm curious. I don't really know what he does like for the rest of this year. I know he eventually faces Kurt Angle when he gets there, but I'm not really sure what he does in between now and then. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll all make sense on impact. We just we got to tune in um, this Saturday at 11 p.m. to, to find out. So um, but that brings us to the main events. The NWA World Heavyweight title is on the line here. It's not a TLC match. It's a full metal mayhem match. The champion Christian Cage versus Abyss with James Mitchell. Um, and you touched on the, the, the like the promo segment earlier. Did you have any, have yeah. any thoughts on that? Oh, my God, dude. How silly. What are you talking about? I love that. I mean, pro wrestling is is by all definition a very very silly mm-hmm. universe and medium um but i like nowadays it's you can tell that nowadays for the most part it's way more grounded with the exception of a few characters like you know like the bray wyatts and stuff but even then it's more i feel like it's more grounded i lo- like i forgot just how zany uh, uh, wrestling companies would lean into certain certain things. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, of course, um, Undertaker was always really zany, although Undertaker was was pretty grounded. The Boogeyman was a level of zany that mm-hmm. was really, really out there. Um, uh, 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 Birchall uh, ripping off of Pirates of the Caribbean. Super, super zany. Yep. And then this was just a, a stark reminder of just how over the top they would get. Um, and it's crazy too, because, uh, the, um, the contrast, if you ran that promo with Abyss and James Mitchell right next to the, uh, 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 the promo they ran right before the match, they, the, the promo they ran before the match was way more grounded Uh and, and, um, 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 gritty. You know what I mean? It didn't have the same tone because that, that tone Abyss and James Mitchell had was just so out there and silly, um, 
a silly, silly monster. Uh, uh, I mean, I, we're filming this on Halloween and it very much felt like in lines with how silly the Monster Mash song is. <laughs> right. uh, you know, it really did, man. It was it was very comical to me. Like I found myself laughing out loud uh, watching it um, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. And it's also weird that um, WWE's had Abyss on their on their roster now for years. Mm-hmm. And outside of that uh, segment where he played what AJ Styles uh, lawyer is like something. statistician or something statistician. They haven't found any use for him. And I was hoping I was like, that yeah. that would be more of a thing. Him and AJ. I, mean, I think everybody was like that was that was a fantastic segment. He nailed um, it. I was like, why didn't they use him for it for anything? You know, for anything. I don't know. May, I, I, that tells me that has to be as either his own doing or that's Vince McMahon and, and his people thinking that he just doesn't fit the look for television. Doesn't think he looks appropriate for TV. Yeah. Um, but I mean, dude, the dude's a, the abyss because my wife asked about him. She was like, oh, Kane went to went to. TNA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, no, that's abyss. He's kind of like a mix between Kane and Mick Foley. Right. I was like, if you, if you were if, if you merge those two. And then put them in like a low budget wrestling company. You get Abyss. Um, Abyss was a, a monster here, man. This is, um, again, like a common thread throughout this. It's a lot of people's physical peaks, I think. And Abyss is one of those guys because he's just so he has that look, man. And the chain around his neck with James Mitchell. Like I thought that acts like them together was so good. And that the pyro and like you said, the cane and McFoley undertones to it all. And, and the build up, the build up to this match specifically so Christian is a fairly new champion, Abyss, number one contender. The buildup to this, which you may have caught in the video package, Abyss goes to Christian's house, beats him up all throughout his house, uh, throws him in his pool and tries to drown him. But uh, he can't win the title from a dead man, according to James Mitchell. So he doesn't actually kill him, but um, he, yeah. he ruffles his feathers a little bit. And, that's, um, and then they had a match at Lockdown. So a cage match where uh, Christian won, but Abyss attacked him after and hung him with the chain and took his title, basically, which is, you know, we're seeing it now with Jade Cardgill and Nyla Rose. He has the the possession of the title and that's nine tenths of the law. So he's 90 percent champion, I guess, is the the deal. So um, that leads us to this full metal mayhem match. So it's TLC. It's tables, ladders, chairs and chains is how this is built up. It was it was it was was chairs, ladders and chains. The tables. uh, Oh, yeah. It wasn't really much for tables. There's a few few little things here. So we got. uh, So it's a ladder match rules, obviously. So you have to climb the ladder to get the belts. And uh, it was it was this match was okay. It was like, you know, like when you watch a TV show and you get to the finale and it's like. Okay, like it makes sense, but I expected more. Like Breaking Bad to me was kind of like that. It was like, it's everything makes sense. I'm fine with it, but I expected something more epic. And that was kind of what this was. Given the video package, you were led to believe that this was going to be like a huge, bloody, violent blow off. Mm -hmm. And and instead you were given kind of like a, a, a hardcore style match that's more or less on par with what you get in. PG era WWE. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't much. I mean, maybe maybe I, I was just having struggle. I was struggling to pay attention during the whole match. Or I, I know I stepped out of the room a couple times, actually, because I was getting ready to, to do the show with you at this point. Uh, I wanted to 
find out what I was going to wear for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it felt it, very, it felt very it, it felt very like a, 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 I don't want to say like mundane, but it didn't nothing. Nothing to me like made me like like wince. Like I was by given the video package, I was like, dude, there's going to be something's going to happen in this match where I'm going to mm-hmm. be struggling to look because it's going to be so violent. And I guess that was like the James Mitchell thumbtack spot. But even then he went into the thumbtacks with a shirt on, which kind of nullifies the the whole appeal of seeing thumbtacks embedded in flesh is right. when you see them embedded in cloth. It, I mean, granted, I bet it still hurt. It's probably it, not nice, but yeah, it, but it takes away the from visual, visual isn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I will say a couple things that stood out to me. A it stood out to me that it was weird not hearing a crowd. Uh, 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 say we want tables every 30 seconds. <laughs> right. But then after I had that thought, I was like, I don't even hear the crowd at all, actually. Like this crowd did not seem to be coming yeah. alive for the match. Um, I think, I think, uh, uh, even though this is a world title and traditionally world titles should finish the show, um, the crowd were much hotter for the tag match that preceded mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the main event. Um, also, by the way, uh, Christian was a baby face in this. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. So this is Christian. He turns heel eventually. I think it's fairly soon after this. And I'm wondering if this that plays a part into this. Uh, maybe Christian just isn't a good baby face. I it to me, the match struck me like two heels like Christian. Mm-hmm. Just I don't Christian has just never come across like a really big baby face. He's a natural. Unless, heel. That's when his best work. He's is a done. natural heel. Like you need a very sympathetic thing to happen to him. To find yourself. Well, he got drowned in his pool, Kai guy. Uh, yeah, but even then, like, it's like well, Steve. <laughs> maybe maybe he had 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 Edge almost drowned, then I might be cheering for right. Christian. Okay, you know, I but, see what you're saying. I don't know. It was it was weird, man. It was it was a weird it was a weird main event. I was I was expecting something more violent. Do you think? Because us watching this in 2022, do you think we're just so? Um, desensitized to ladder matches now and maybe watching this in hindsight takes away from it could be yeah because this um this this match is taking place not too long after tlc had originally formed because mm-hmm. what tlc tlc's first official match was like 2001 i want to say uh, SummerSlam 2000 i believe was the first one SummerSlam 2000 okay so so good in hindsight years. you're only about five five six years which is nothing um, in the grand yeah, scheme of things really isn't that long away. So I imagine those style of matches are still very um, impactful because we're not oversaturated at that point too, by the way, yeah. with WWE's annual TLC event, extreme rules event. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. TLC and extreme rules, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause after like sell to a lesser degree, like 2002, they were doing a lot of gimmick match stuff, but I feel like after that for a few years, they kind of took a break from it, at least to an extent. I guess ladder matches at least in that element because the Hardy boys aren't really there and the Dudleys leave and, you know, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of elements at play as to why this probably didn't uh, live up to the hype, maybe. But um, I thought it was fine think, for what it was. Yeah, I think I've always also struggled to, to um, picture Christian as a, as a main event guy. He needs to, to be that it, chicken I, I, shit. He needs to be that slimy guy that like cheats to win. Yeah, kind of like what? What was that that feud he had with Randy Orton? Like the one more match, Christian, that I've heard about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of feels more like ideal for him. Well, eventually, yeah, even so. in, here in TNA, he like 
he builds a faction. I think like AJ Styles and Tyson Tomko are his like bodyguards of, or like at least not his like henchmen of sorts. Um, and then he has some good programs with like Samoa Joe and I think Kurt Angle as well. So he does some good stuff in TNA when he's a heel. But yeah, I think this this experiment with babyface Christian Cage on top isn't really hitting. But um, I can't blame him for trying because they're the, he's a big name at this point because he's he's he came off of WWE pretty hot. Like he was in the main events with John Cena and stuff like that. So when when was this in relation to when Edge retired? Uh, that's like five years after this, I think. That's what I thought. OK, mm-hmm. yeah, because Christian Christian went to and from TNA and WWE a couple times, right? He went to um, TNA, then back to WWE and then back to TNA. So I think it was only once, but he did come back. There was like that weird situation where they like traded for a night. Like Christian appeared for one night so that Ric Flair could be at the Hall of Fame ceremony because Ric Flair was in TNA and Christian was in WWE. But no, Christian was here until like until he went back to WWE. And I don't think he ever went back full time. No. Um, oh, OK, because I thought I thought he went back after he returned to WWE. I thought there was a but I like I said, I never I, there. This is kind of during this this period of time where I wasn't watching wrestling. I was watching mm-hmm. uh, uh, UFC and um, and I didn't have cable, so I didn't uh, I didn't get to watch wrestling until probably Jesus. Um, it was it was essentially like 2004, 2005, and then it went all the way to when John Cena and The Rock faced off in Mania, whatever year that was. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's and that's a period of wrestling that I just I didn't get to watch live. Right. There's some good stuff in there, but yeah, it's not that great, I guess. But um, <laughs> but as far as this match goes, um, you like you said, tax come into play. Uh, James Mitchell gets a Uranagi onto the tax, which is a fun spot. Um, you got Christian hanging abyss with the chain. This all felt like it was tying. It was like Christian's revenge. Like Christian hangs mm-hmm. Abyss with the chain, just like he did to him at lockdown. You have uh, Abyss is there's a table set up. Abyss is like leaning on the table and Christian gives him a concerto on the table. That was actually a really cool spot. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then Christian goes to the top of the ladder that's set up next to the table because he's just been knocked out or Abyss has been knocked out by that concerto and gets laid on the table Christian hits a frog splash off the top of the ladder through the table, through abyss. And then Christian gets back up, climbs the ladder, grabs the belt. So get abyss getting his comeuppance and James Mitchell. Christian retains and um, solid match, like I said, but I feel like could have. I feel like I don't know if you've seen their lockdown match. Their lockdown match the month previous to this felt more intense. I almost feel like if you were to switch those two, it would have made more sense. But okay, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts on that? No, man. I mean, it was it was cool walking down uh, uh, and taking a moment to see TNA because I never actively like dislikes. I never really actively dislike like a wrestling company or a period. It's just sometimes like it's just stuff I haven't watched and I never really bothered myself to watch. And I have to Mm -hmm. find a reason to go back and see it. And that was, you know, obviously what you offered me. Um, And it was it was cool peeking into that time period. Like I said, what what really was of noteworthy to me is, is like the young AJ styles. And then, um, that tag match with Joe and, and sting and, mm-hmm. and Jared and, and Steiner. I mean, I don't know if I've ever been so invested in a match featuring Jeff Jarrett <laughs> and Scott Steiner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was cool to, to find appreciation in that, but overall I was like, 
I, I, it was, uh, it was, um, it wasn't actively bad, but I was like, eh, wasn't the best. Show, yeah, and I said this. <laughs> I said this in uh, our group chat that this show was uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically mid. Like most yeah. of this year is really good, but this show is a um, like you said, not a miss, but it was a uh, it was a single. It was a dribbler to the outfield. Um, nothing actively. Well, no, there was some bad on this show, but there was some good too. Yeah, like like I said, I think I think um, starting it with the I think starting it and finishing it with those tag matches probably would have been good because I, to me, that was like where the crowd peaked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but I get, obviously it's the main event picture. And then given the story that you're trying to tell with Christian and abyss, I mean, it's hard. You can't make that call to make those guys go on as runner ups mm-hmm. to the main event. You know, you have to put that story on at the end. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, like I said, it, you, like you said, there's like a lot of factors that maybe make it not stand out as much as it, it, honestly should have yeah yeah they're they're still figuring things out tna but uh there's still some good stuff and th- this show might have been um might have been mid but there's some other shows in this year that really make you want to smack yourself raw but speaking of which the <laughs> smacked raw podcast kyle thank you once again for uh joining me talking about some tna where can everybody find you listen to the smacked raw podcast and all that stuff yeah so um smacked raw is a uh, uh more or less a channel of of multiple podcasts nowadays so myself and rn we host the rewind where we take a look at at our favorite things that are going on um both in the ring and outside of the ring over the latest week so we'll talk about some of our favorite uh uh storylines essentially me and him just gush over anything mjf in the bloodline every week. <laughs> right. but then we also like to talk about like some of the backstage uh news and rumors as well and it's very much opinion based um a much more professionally put together show that you'll find on our channel is uh Botch spots and chair shots with will gray um he does a, a lot of interviews and he also does take a look back at um older wrestling along with uh exclusive to our audio platform side of things um uh the uh, the heel truth starring ted the hillbilly heel who oddly started his show on episode 100 you have to ask him <laughs> he calls himself a heel but he's actually like the nicest person out of he all is of us. um so you can find us on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash SmackDraw. Uh, you can find us over on youtube.com slash SmackDraw podcast. And then the audio version uh, is pretty much found anywhere you can find your podcasts. We're SmackDraw, a pro wrestling podcast. Uh, you should be able to find us on Apple and Spotify, which I think are the two biggest platforms most people use. Um, but yeah, dude, check us out. We have a, we have a lot of fun. Um, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I've had, you know, obviously you. I've had RN. I've had Will. I've had Ted. Bunch of, bunch of good blokes over there. I, I keep subjecting yeah. myself to you guys for whatever reason. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, thank you to Kyle Tyson from the Smacked Raw podcast for joining me on this lovely, lovely uh, walk down memory lane of Tits and Ass Wrestling 2006. Always a good time talking about TNA. Always a good time talking about any kind of wrestling with White Kyle. So go check out the Smacked Raw podcast live on Twitch, on YouTube, all audio platforms. You know the deal. You know how to find things. All of his Twitters and his Instagrams and all the other social stuff in the description below. Mine is there as well. Apronbump.com for all my full episodes. Give the video a like. Give a video a like. 
Um, give a video a like. Those are the only three things I need from you. Um, yeah. I think that's about all daddy has for you today. Should I be wearing? So I thought about, um, I thought about, uh, wearing my wedding ring on this episode. Um, cause I will be married by the time this comes out, but I'm not as of recording this. So I don't want to call my shot, you know, I feel like that's bad luck. I mean, what if I just pull a fucking Ross and call her Rachel instead of her actual name? So that would be a bummer. You know, what if what if she falls into a giant sinkhole and never comes back? You know, there's so many things that could happen between now and then. Um, so, yeah, good thing I didn't, right? Are you with me? I'm free. I'll save me, me. Hallelujah. I'm free. Are you still here? Thanks, thanks for listening. Go away now. I'm hard. Yeah. It's a hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Trip you off the ground, show you what hard is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I guess let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Trip you off the ground, show you what hard is.